Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 226. Today is May 8th, 2017. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, this is a long time in coming. I've been waiting for this episode for a long time. I'm here today to tell you that I'm officially launching my new book. The title is The Robots Are Coming. And while many of you thought I was writing an investing book, what I've actually been doing is looking at a super mega trend that we can argue whether it's here or not. I actually, in the book, make the argument that it's been around for a long time, but it's one of those things that's just coming to fruition. We're seeing the confluence of an incredible amount of technology like never before seen coming together. Everything from big data, the Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, advanced robotics, biological systems, everything coming together to form what I think is indisputably going to be the mega trend of at least the next generation. Uh, you know, this, this trend is going to have a good 20 or 30 years to play out as all super long-term generational mega trends do. And so that's why I've chosen this topic to write on. Now, in the case of what I'm going to just generically call robotics, which really encompasses everything I just mentioned, right? Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, big data, all these technologies that are coming together. That's the automation age that we're really coming into. And while robotics in and of themselves are nothing new, and they've really taken dominance in a lot of manufacturing sectors, my premise is, is that we're coming to that confluence now where those technologies are going to come together and it isn't going to be the simple low-hanging fruit jobs that are replaced by automation. Any job can be made redundant by a computer, by automation, by a robot, by artificial intelligence, if that job is routine and predictable. That's what big data is all about. Finding the patterns and then being able to write algorithms in a form of decision support systems. And that's whether you're writing an algorithm to trade in the stock market or you're writing an algorithm to place uh, marketing advertisements on, on Facebook or whether you have an algorithm that's tracking your, your inventory and your supply channels. At the heart of them, they're all the same technology. It's just how we apply them. And they're going to affect everybody's job, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, any type of professional. And the argument I make in the book is that, in fact, it isn't the hamburger flippers or the unskilled laborers that are going to be impacted as much as it is going to be the white-collar professionals and the highly compensated people in any field that are involved in routine, reproducible work that has a predictable outcome. Those are things that artificial intelligence and robotics will thrive at. 20, 30 years ago, if you went to Detroit, you would have seen automotive uh, union workers, painters, losing their jobs to robots because the human painter is going to cost, say, $25 an hour, but the robot is only going to cost $8 an hour. So they replaced those jobs long ago. That's low-hanging fruit. The next implementation of technology will be to go after those highly compensated employees. You know all those mid-level managers that have been working at big Fortune 500 companies, implementing programs like Oracle and SAS and other type of enterprise software, making the companies more efficient and putting in all these automated reporting systems? Well, in effect, what those white-collar managers have been doing is training their replacements. In the not-too-distant future, I would argue why do you need that level of mid-level managers when the enterprise software will be doing all their jobs for them? So regardless of your career, whether you're a professional, whether you have a degree, it doesn't matter how long of experience you have, 
your career could be in danger to being replaced by automation. Now, while that's going to be bad for some, it's also going to be an excellent opportunity for other people, people that are creative, people that want to be entrepreneurs. And the reason for that is that the barriers to entry are going to come down for the entrepreneur that wants to start up their own company. This is a good analogy we can make. Look at the way things have shaped up in the oil business. Just a decade ago, if you were going to be in the oil exploration business, like a Shell or a Chevron or an ExxonMobil, it took vast amounts of capital. We're talking billions of dollars to develop an oil well. And it took a decade or so to put that infrastructure in place before you could even make a profit off the first barrel of oil you were pumping. When the shale oil revolution came in, which really in and of itself is nothing more than big data working with robotic drill heads that are going down horizontally instead of vertically and using big data information about the uh, geological nature of those rocks. That's what the essence of, of shale oil is. The, the oil was always there. It was just never economical to get before. Many people thought the price of oil would have to skyrocket to make it economical for that oil to be extracted. But what has actually happened is technology has come in and made that extraction cost much lower. So unlike a decade ago, if you're a wildcatter and you're drilling in a shale oil basin, you don't need a decade and billions of dollars to get into business. You need a few months and millions of dollars to get into business. Now, that doesn't mean every Joe's six-pack is going to go out and be a wildcatter, but what it does show is how the barriers to entry to that extremely capital-intensive oil industry have been disrupted. That's going to happen across every enterprise. And so if you're an entrepreneur that's creative and you want to go out and make things happen, there's never going to be a better time to be alive. And then consequently, you know how much I love investing in the stock market. And this is where investing comes into this particular book. And all of you that were hoping that I would write an investing book, well, it's in this book. In fact, this book is written in four parts. Part one addresses our humanity. And I delve into the importance that creativity is going to play in the robotic future. Part two talks about being the entrepreneur. Or even if you're an employee, thinking like an entrepreneur. And then parts three and four get into pure, well-studying principles where we talk about saving and investing. The saving part is going to play out like never before because unlike many people, I don't think we're headed towards hyperinflation. In fact, in the book, I make the argument that I've made on this podcast many times that I think that we're in a period of deflation. Disruptive innovation is always deflationary. The most expensive computer system I ever bought was the first one I bought back in 1987. It did the least and it cost the most. Since then, because of the information age, because of the computer age, because of that mega trend that hit way back then, the price of electronics and computers and smartphones and all these things that never existed back in the 70s, those things have been invented and the price has come down virtually every year and or the performance has gotten so much better that on a, on a competitive basis, it was a price reduction. Well, that's the same thing that artificial intelligence and robotics are going to do across the board to all the businesses that are smart enough to implement it. And in a lot of cases, that's going to mean better service, lower prices. To get an example of that today, we don't have to look any farther than Amazon. What has Amazon done to the retailing business? In many cases, it's brought the price of products down and it's provided the consumer with better services. 
The reason this is so critically important to being a saver is that savers profit in a deflationary environment. If your money is getting cheaper every year, then it makes sense for you to borrow and build up debt. But it's exactly the other way if the value of your currency is either stable or declining. And so I believe in the coming decades, being a saver is going to be critically important. And those that run up large amounts of debts like have occurred over the last 40 years, they're going to be in trouble. And in fact, that's where the fourth part of the book comes in, the investing part, because since we're entering such an amazing technological revolution, there are going to be all kinds of winners and losers. And it isn't going to be as obvious as you might think it is. You know, right now, we always have 2020 hindsight. We can look back and say, oh, well, of course, Apple computer is a good bet. Or, oh, of course, Facebook makes sense. Well, yes, it's obvious now because we have a historical bias. Our opinions are jaded because we're looking at the survivors and we're forgetting about the hundreds or thousands or ten thousands of companies or good ideas that failed, that at the time looked like a good idea. Yeah, of course you could have predicted a computer revolution in the 60s, but let's see, let's start running off some names. Whatever happened to Tandem Computer or even the big ones that's still around today, International Business Machine, IBM? Yeah, they've survived all these years, but they didn't thrive like one would have expected, say, in the 1960s. You could have known that there was a computer revolution coming, and if you put it all on IBM, you would have missed Apple and Dell and Microsoft and Google and on and on, right? You see how that works. Just because we know that a megatrend's coming doesn't mean that we can pick the right winners and losers. And a premise I make in the book is that it is as important or more important to pick the potential losers and the implementers of the technology as it is to just try and make a bet on the inventors of the technology. So as you can tell, I'm excited that this book is out. The full title is called The Robots Are Coming, A Human Survival Guide to Profiting in the Age of Automation. And I specifically wanted it to read like a guide. That's why I split it up into four different parts. I wanted to address each of those four different areas. I challenged the reader with a cognitive directive to change the way they think. Again, long-time listeners of Wellsteading, you know that I'm a big proponent of not teaching people what to think, but trying to teach them or help them how to think, to think for yourself. And that's what this book is all about, helping you put together a framework so you can think in four different areas, think like a human, not a machine, think like an entrepreneur, not an employee, Think like a saver, not a consumer. And then finally, think like an investor, not a speculator. Those are the four skills I think you're going to need going into the future for the next 20 or 30 years. Now, I can't predict the future. As you heard me say many times, I don't have a crystal ball. So I don't know exactly when the tsunami is going to hit or if it's going to come in real mild or if it's going to come in furious. But there's no doubt that the robots are coming. And for those of us that are prepared there has never been a better time to be alive in the history of mankind. One other thing I'll add in reference to this book being written as a guide. I ended each chapter with a little exercise, with an action plan. Now, obviously this book is written for a general audience, so it isn't going to be specific for someone that's a cardiologist or for someone that's a carpenter, right? It's going to be written for the masses. So in general terms, I put together 
little thought points at the end of every chapter that I wanted to challenge the reader with and get them in the framework of thinking in terms of those four specific cognitive directives that I talked about. And I really believe, and this is based on my 30 plus years of building my wealth and the things that I've done in my life to advance my career and to advance my skill set, that these little questions, these little program learning things, sometimes, although they seem very insignificant, they help you focus and formulate your thoughts. And to the extent that you take those questions seriously and think about them and work them and then apply them to your specific life, your specific talents, your specific situations. I think that if you work hard on those action plans, you'll come away with more than just reading a book. You'll come away with a firm action plan that will ensure you that you're headed on the right foot into this age of automation. Well, I want to thank everybody for those of you that have already taken the time to go out and learn about this book. I've been contacted by many of you. I have put your names in a drawing. I have not received my hard copy uh, books yet. When I do, I'll be picking some winners. I'll contact them, ask them for their, their address, and then I'll send you out a uh, an autographed copy if you win those drawings. And then what I think I'll do for the future is I'll just start pulling names from those of you that have already signed up and subscribed over at investablewealth.com for the, the blog notices, the, you know, the newsletter, the, um, announcements of when I buy or sell a stock. If you've already signed up for that, your name will be in future drawings and I'll just pull from that list. So we'll do that going forward. Cause like I say, I've already gotten a lot of feedback from those of you that have gone out and already found out about the book. I know that you want to specifically know how it's going to help you with your career and and how we can identify and track these trends to make us better traders in the stock market. So I'm sure that we'll be revisiting this topic many, many times in a lot of future episodes. I will put a link in today's show notes that'll take you over to Amazon where you could purchase the book. It's available in paperback or digital format, uh, but it's it's available in places other than Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. Uh, many bookstores are carrying it. In fact, you know me, I'm a cheapskate. I always tell you, go to the library and get a book. If you don't want to buy the book, go down to your local library and submit a request to them that, that they buy it and then check it out from there and share it with all your friends. So hey, there you have it. 